Hi, I'm Kristen Ludlow from NBA Inside Stuff, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Double Clutch NBA Podcast. I'm your usual host, Matthew Wellington, and I'm joined tonight once again by a resident draft expert slash free agency nut job, Joe Herbert. Hello, guys. It's a nice way to portray you there. <laughs> the nut job. <laughs> um, worse. No, good job on the draft shows, guys. I was checking out download figures and stuff, and they've been going up and up. So people obviously been uh, getting far more interested in the draft this year, which is a good thing. And the whole of the uh, 2015 NBA draft has actually been uploaded on YouTube. So if you did miss it, you can go and watch all four hours of the ESPN feed, which is just on YouTube. So that's pretty funky. Um, so today we've got a few free agency things to discover. I think when me and Zach did the last show. Um, DeAndre Jordan had just agreed to terms with the Dallas Mavericks, but because obviously the, the signing date I think is the 9th, which is tomorrow, um, nothing's sort of confirmed. And there are rumours today, I've been at work for the last few hours, so I'm not really too sure what's going on, but um, Joe is going to fill you in with regards to what's been going on there, because um, basically, uh, is, is he coming back or not coming back, or what's going on there? Right, there are, the the definite thing we know is is that he's... Before he was a hundred percent Dallas. Now it's believed he's fifty-fifty. So he's def- he's not definitely going to Dallas. Mark Steen of ESPN tweeted that he's on a plane back to LA tonight, and apparently he's meeting Mark Cuban and Chandler Parsons in Houston tomorrow. It seems like a bit of a mess, but DeAndre is basically he's undecided again. He's sort of gone back on himself. Yeah, it's odd because it's all sort of blown up in the last few hours, really. Because I would, before I was going into work, I was reading that Ramona Shelbourne had said that a few, like, during the week, um, DeAndre had been ringing Doc Rivers saying he wasn't sure and had changed it. He thought he'd changed his mind. And I think there's a lot of, um, misconceptions going on about as to what his decision actually is. But it's a similar thing to what we have with Lamarcus Aldridge. One minute he was going someplace, next minute he was going somewhere else. It's just what happens in free agency. But, yeah, this is a bit weird because it kind of blew up the Clippers season, really, didn't it? It left them with no sort of noticeable starting centre. Um, they've attempted to try and trade for one since, but nothing has really worked out for them very well. JaVale McGee and guys like that have all been mentioned, but I think if they can get DeAndre Jordan back and why not give it a chance and get him back, then you've got to go for it. I just, I don't know whether the bridges that were broken between sort of DeAndre and Chris Paul and all those lot can, can sort of be repaired, really. No, I mean, when I heard DeAndre was leaving, when we all did, I, I said that that's the Clippers championship hopes gone because I think with him, they can win it. I think they came a little bit closer last year than people think. They just got undone by Houston, by Josh Smith, which is something I never thought I'd say. So, I mean, it's, it's a confusing situation. It's really rare to see something like this happen where a guy commits to a team and they're a good team as well. They're well run. There's no reason he should really turn back. But this could get messy. It, it's not a good look, really. It's already getting messy on Twitter. Have you seen all the emojis that have been popping up? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've seen... Yeah, Kobe Bryant, Draymond Green, they're all getting in on it. Well, Draymond Green was like, what's going on? I loved on my Twitter timeline. And he's like, what's going on? All I can see is emojis everywhere. <laughs> It's like Chris Paul and Blake Griffin put like cars and planes and helicopters and boats to show that they were flying to um, to Houston or whatever to go and see DeAndre and meet with him. But then Chandler Parsons has tweeted a plane apparently and Paul Pierce has got in on the act just for the heck of it. It's just pretty funny watching all oh, and the Cavs and all these other teams are just getting in on this. <laughs> it's like the NBA is one big happy family at this time of year. Pretty amusing to watch. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see if he does change his mind. I mean, it has... 
it's happened before. I think 2004, um, Carlos Boozer sort of agreed to opt out of his contract with, with the team he was with. I think it was the Cavs. Um, and then he had a chance to go and sign the big deal with, uh, Utah, I believe that's right. Um, so he took the, the, the more money and went there basically. Yeah, it happened with Minnesota. We were, we, I'm kind of glad it happened now, but we nearly got OJ Mayo, but he decided last minute to go to the, um, Dallas Mavericks. So it does happen, but it's just, I don't think it's ever happened this far along. I think the way the NBA is at the moment, if you've got the ability to, you know, harass a player right up until the deadline where they have to sign, then you've got to make the most of it, really. If his, 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 his decision the other day kind of came as a bit of a shock to a lot of people, but, He's reportedly wanted to go home for a while and the rifts between him and the other guys is, have all sort of blown out recently and they were hidden up before then. But JJ Reddick was, was quoted in saying the other day that if DeAndre leaves, then their off season sort of rated an F because they've not really done anything. They went from being sort of a Western Conference, well, they could have, they should have been a Western Conference finals contender to, you know, a team that probably would struggle to compete in the playoffs, let alone do anything you know, decent. And they've been one of those perennial underachievers the last few years. The talent they've got in that team and the rosters they've had, they arguably should have done a lot more than they have done. And I think this year we sort we sort of almost saw it and then they, they, it collapsed upon themselves again. So I don't know. It'd be nice to see if they can get him back just to go for sort of one more run. And then if it doesn't happen, blow it up. But they said that last summer. So mm. who knows what's going on with them? Um The San Antonio Spurs, they have somehow managed to drop the mic on the 2015 NBA free agency um, by signing former Indiana Pacers forward David West um, for the league veteran minimum, which is something stupid. It's like 1.5 million or something, isn't it? It's not a lot of money. It's taken a 85% pay cut. Which is insane. Yeah. Um, but he's going to join an organisation that's there just to win. And obviously they won the LaMarcus Aldridge sweepstakes, which we should probably mention as well. So they've had an unbelievable free agency period so far they re-signed Danny Green to that lovely cheap contract they got Kawhi Leonard sort of wrapped up for the future then they got and they went and grabbed LaMarcus Aldridge Tim Duncan took a little less money Tony Parker took a little less money and now they've gone and grabbed David West who really fits in with them really well and his perimeter shooting I think is one of the things they're going for from sort of 16 feet out he shoots like he's I think he shot 50% the last couple of years he's just been phenomenal from there so you don't bring him in for his sort of stellar defense, but when you're the Spurs, you don't have to tend to worry about that. No, he's going to have people covering for him, but I'm glad he's got a move because he was one of my favorite players when he was at New Orleans with, um, with Chris Paul. I think he deserves, he's one of those players that kind of deserves at least a championship run because he's had a bit of bad luck with Indiana. Um, they just, I don't really think they were going anywhere either, were they, the Pacers? No, I mean, they got to the conference finals, but he's been on a couple of teams who haven't had quite enough to get there, despite his good performances. So it'll be interesting to see how many minutes he gets. I mean, I would imagine quite a lot because they've lost Splitter and Baines. Yeah, no, the, I don't know how the front, the front court rotation is going to work because, well, Pop will get his head around it a lot quicker than anyone else will, but... He's a great guy at setting active screens. He's going to be really good for sort of the pick and pop with Tony Parker. He's a good ball handler. So I think he complements his team really well. And, you know, if you give him sort of an uncontested 16, 17 footer, the chances are he's probably going to score it. And it just makes the Spurs even more deadly. And it's so annoying. And I, I can't remember who it was. I think Zach tweeted out the other day. He's just like, oh, great. They've signed another great player. It's just getting really annoying. It's like, you've seen the memes. They may as well cancel next season purely because the Spurs have just built this 
sort of super team out of nowhere, really. <laughs> yeah, a very good starting five. And thing is with them, they find these role players out of nowhere. You know, people like Patty Mills and Corey Joseph, they were pretty much nobodies in college, but he just gets the best out of them and then he moves them on for big contracts. That's what he does. Yeah, Corey Joseph. Did Corey Joseph sign with the Raptors? Yeah, he's just signed, I think, a four-year, $28 million deal. I mean, he's a good player. He, You know, that's a good pickup, but that's Popovich has made in that way. He gives him the right attitude, the right training, and everyone that comes out of that team is at least serviceable. I guess they're one of the few organisations that really sort of puts trust in foreign players. So you look at the likes of Bellinelli and Ginobili and guys that have come through Tony Parker the last sort of 10 years, they've always sort of put a lot of trust in their other players where a lot of a lot of other franchises in the league, they'll try you out. But if you don't, if you know, if at first you don't succeed, then they'll just get rid of you. <laughs> yeah, Spurs do give you time. They had a guy a few years ago, I think he's back in Europe now, called Nando Di Colo. And he wasn't a very exciting player. But like he's, he just, I think he played for them for about two years. But he just came on for five minutes a game. He'd knock down the odd shot. He'd help space the floor. And the guy they drafted this year is a, a Russian center. Like they, put, and he's like seven foot two or something. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, Thomas said it when we were recording. He's like, he's going to come over and be an all star because that's just what the Spurs do. <laughs> Very Spursy in approach to everything over there. It's funny though because a few years ago you wouldn't have really considered the Spurs as being a free agent destination, would you? But I guess the winning is always there. Like, however many years it's been of constant 50 win plus team, there it's just there's such a, a an overachiever in the league. It's unbelievable. And it, Greg Popovich has said he's going to stay for the remainder of his contract, which I guess was a big factor in the Marcus Aldridge signing. But he's going to be huge for them as well. It now gives them such a deep front court with him and Tony Parker. Uh, not Tony Parker. Why did I say Tony Parker? Him and Tim Duncan. They'll be able to switch around. I don't know if he will play the centre. I can imagine Pop probably will put him there sometimes, but he did state during the free agency period that he didn't want to play centre. So, you know, I guess Tim Duncan could quite happily adapt to that. He has done for the past however many years. <laughs> yeah, I think he'll start centre of now, but it doesn't mean he'll play their all game. I think they'll move up. But the thing is with Aldridge, it just, because people are going to have to double team him, because when we're talking about guys who can shoot from mid range, he's as good as anyone in the league at that. And like they would just leave these role players we keep talking about, people like Danny Green, Matt Bonner, just leave them open in the corner. And they're, they're just going to be deadly this year. Yeah, he's got so many weapons. And that's one of the things I think that when, when you watch the Blazers play this season, that's the one thing you're really going to see the difference is the fact that LaMarcus Aldridge was, you know, everyone thought he was amazing there, but I don't think people are going to really understand what he meant to that team until yeah. now. And certainly. Because the array of shots he had were just unguardable most of the time. That's the thing, like Lillard's a very, Lillard's a good player, but Aldridge was that offense. The reason that people like Wesley Matthews and, um, and Lillard thrived from the Premier is because Aldridge was often drawing double teams. And if he drew one, he could just pass to Robin Lopez, who would just dunk it in. Like that was such a well-run offense. I'd argue it was probably one of the better offenses in the league, that Portland offense. I don't think I'd be wrong saying that. Uh, they're, re- they're really going to miss him, but their loss is the Spurs' gain. And you, if you're not including them in championship talk, you know, that's, that's your own mistake because they're going to be right up there this year. Yeah. Speaking of losses and gains, the, uh, the Warriors have traded away David Lee finally, clearing that, that sort of space that they wanted, that big contract they wanted to get off the books, really. Um, They've acquired Gerald Wallace for him from the Celtics. This is a big deal for the Celtics. It's sort of 
I don't know, their one bright spot this summer, really, because they hadn't really done a lot, considering the way that the organisation sort of credited its rebuild the last few years. No, I mean, they came out, didn't they? And Danny Ainge were like, yeah, we'll get a big man. So he was looking at Greg Monroe, DeMarcus Cousins, and, and people like that, and they didn't end up with any of them. But David Lee's what they need. Their top scorer last year was Avery Bradley. And if there's one thing that David Lee can do, it's score. He's got good post moves. He's not a very good defender, but... You know, I think offense needs to come first when you're rebuilding. So it's a really good trade for them. I'm quite happy for him. And Gerald Wallace going the other way, even if they can get like five minutes out of him, he's going to get open shots in the perimeter. So, I mean, that's that's a good deal for both sides. He's a pretty tenacious defender as well, Gerald Wallace. I think he's going to add a little bit of veteran presence. To, not that that team needs it, but they are very young, that Warriors team. So I think he's going to cover. He could have a similar impact to the likes of sort of Iguodala, but obviously just not as active. Yeah, I mean, he's he'll be good for that team because they've got a couple of young sort of guards. Like they've got Drew Holiday's younger brother. They've got James Michael McAdoo, who's a stretch four. Like he's going to be able to help those people with their defense, with their intensity. You know, it's similar to what Kevin Garnett's going to be able to do at Minnesota, sort of have that teaching influence. Yeah, David Lee had a weird season. I mean, yeah. 7.9 points, I think he averaged 5.2 rebounds per game. Not a great year by his standards, but we've seen what he's capable of before when he's played in New York and places like that. So he's a big-time player when he wants to play properly, and this is a good deal for the Celtics. It's um, an absolute win for them. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Kevin Garnett, like you were saying... Resigns with the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm sure you're a very, very happy Timberwolves fan. Yeah, I mean, people are just saying it's for TJ, but actually, like, at this point, he's probably our best defender. I know it doesn't say a lot about our roster, but I think he'll start unless Flip Saunders pulls something out of the woodwork. Like, he's gonna, but he's gonna be huge off of the court as well. Like, if you listen to interviews from Wiggins and Towns, they're already saying that he's, like, the funniest guy in the locker room and that he's helping them already. You know, and Pekovic, he's told the uh, reporter that I've never been shouted at as much as by Garnett because <laughs> I've watched Pekovic just doesn't get back on defense and Garnett apparently shouts at him all the time to get back. He's just going to be Peck brilliant. Peck look really lazy. Peck just looks really lazy sometimes. I remember that funny sketch. I think it was... Um, Bleacher Report, or it might have been BS Report, did it a few few years ago with him sort of dressed up as the Terminator, sort of running around the court, just like scaring the hell out of everybody. And he did have that opinion, but the last few years it's kind of dulled on him. I don't think people are scared of him anymore. Um, so maybe Garnett can get that back out of him. But I think Chris Mannix nailed this. He put a tweet out. Um, this is Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated. He, he put Towns as the right pick for the Wolves, and he said the post presence opposite Andrew Wiggins, and then he'll get a chance to go to... Um, Kevin Garnett college for at least a year, which is, you know, the big thing. Like, Kevin Garnett's got so much experience in the NBA. You know, having a 15 time all star and an NBA champion next year is going to help is, massively with the rebuild. This is there. 21st year in the league. That's longer than I've been alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, it's just crazy. But he is the perfect guy. He's, cause I'm, Duncan's a better power forward, but Garnett's probably a better teacher because he's so, like, intense and fiery. That if you do something wrong, he'll just let you know. But he is the perfect guy for this team right now. I think um, Garnett and Duncan's a very interesting comparison as well because you had sort of Garnett goes in as this young phenomenon, you know, becomes the the MVP eventually and drags it drags that Timberwolves team to the playoffs and they've not been there they've not been back there since. But Duncan had you know guys next to him 
all the time, yeah. like going up through his career. So, and then he's had nothing. Have to... He had nothing in Minnesota. Like, yeah, and that's what Lamarcus Aldridge is now going to get. I think. I think he's going to sort of just get a little bit of, you know, a couple of years with Timmy D next to him, going to learn from him, and then it's just going to do the same thing whenever it happens again. The Spurs are just going to rinse and repeat this for like the next however many years. Yeah, it looks like it, and they're really well run. It's a nice place to go and play. They're not like a team like the Knicks who think they have a divine right to be good. They accept what they are. They've got a good history of winning. It's a good front office. There's no egos in that team. It's, I don't understand why it's not a top free agent destination. That'll be top of my list if I was a basketball player. Yeah, I guess the league is changing. It's like the slow thing we've noticed like since we started podding in you know 2012. It's like... The size of the city doesn't tend to matter anymore, especially with the way that the cap's working next year. Um, you can go anywhere now and get a lot of money and still be happy. So it's not a case of... Well, some some players are always going to want the limelight. You know, Guys like D'Angelo Russell and stuff are, are always going to sort of tend to want to go towards the the bigger cities because that's the way they're at, their attitude works. But other guys you know, like Tim Duncan, who we mentioned, they're not really bothered where they play. And that's that's a good thing. James Harden is another one. I don't think he's he's too bothered where he ends up playing. He just sort of just wants to go out and play. So we'll have to see what happens. Um, Anthony Bennett, obviously the 2013 top pick in the draft. What do you think is going to go on with him? Because Alex, who writes for our site, was like, "Let's do an Anthony Bennett watch," and everyone was like, a bit, you know. <laughs> um, I mean, amused about that one. <laughs> is it? I. He just doesn't have the hunger for the game. Like when you watch him on the court. So I watched most of our games this year. It just doesn't look like he cares. He's, it's got nothing to do with his weight or anything like that. That's, I think that's just his build, but he just, he doesn't look like he wants to get better. He sort of looks dumb with the game. And, you know, Flip Saunders has said he's tried to get it out of him, but it's just not happening. So, I mean, if we don't trade him, he's not going to be getting many minutes because we've got Kevin Garnett, who's better than him. We've got Towns, who's better than him. We've got uh, Georgie Dieng, who is better than him as well. And we've got Adrian Payne, who is probably better than him. Like, he's our fifth best power forward at this point. I, don't th- I think it's unfair to say he's a complete bust. Like, I think he, there's something there a little bit. But oh, yeah, he's got talent. He's a good shooter, but yeah, this isn't hopefully the, Garnett can get it out. This isn't the right team for him. Like, we don't run a very expansive offense. A good fit, actually, would be Boston. I'm surprised they haven't. They wouldn't have to offer anything. But a second round pick in 10 years would get him because I think we just want that contract gone. He's he's still got potential, but he needs to be shooting threes and we, we shoot the least amount of threes in the league. It'll be interesting to see what the Celtics do the next few years because I don't know whether they they're, they're, they might be getting slightly fed up. Of, obviously, they made the playoffs this year, but I think that was a bit unexpected. But whether they're going to start trying to use those assets that they've acquired and and make some moves because I think I think I fear if a team is constantly in this state of we're just going to acquire assets, you know, like Philly is, you're just going to end up stuck there for a hell of a long time and longer than you expect. It's like what's going on over there in Philadelphia at the moment. You don't really have any idea. You go and draft, you know, Okafor because he's the best player left in the draft, but you've still got Noel, you know, coming up in the game and Embiid as well. I know he's had the foot injuries and things, but. It, there's, there doesn't seem to be any sort of clear sense of future with some of these teams. There's, when I look at Philadelphia, I don't understand what they're trying to do because they don't have any guns. Tank. They, I know, but <laughs> they've not got the first pick. Yeah, the first campaign was tank for Wiggins. 
we got Wiggins, thank you. That worked well. <laughs> this year it was tank. It was actually tank for Oakford, which they got. But it's just they didn't need Oakford. They had two good big men. I know one of them's injured, but why would you want three big men on your roster when you have they have no guards? I don't even know their starting point guard is anymore. Ooh, no, I don't. I, think, I think it's Tony <laughs> Roten, but I mean that's that's not ideal. I. Well, they just need to get their assets, and if they play well, they move them on. You know, the guys who they've they've had over the last couple of years who've played well, mm. they've traded away, and then there's the guys that they sort of they keep locked under key and won't let out. And it's like Embiid. I really hope he recovers as quick as possible because I want to see what he's capable of. Because on paper, the guy was a freak in college, and I just want to see him in the NBA. It just seems that such a shame that we he has to play for that organization because he's mm. not going to win for a while. Yeah, I know. I mean. They've got to move one of those three eventually because when Embiid does get back, you can't play three men, uh, who, none of which can stretch the floor. It just won't work. Old school basketball. <laughs> <laughs> might work. <laughs> um, speaking of old school basketball, Mo Williams is returning to the Cavaliers. How the hell did this happen? <laughs> oh, God. He's a, he's a good fit. Like, his problem at Minnesota and Charlotte was he was often handling the ball, and that's not his strength. He's a good shooter. He's very streaky. He's a bit like the point guard version of Jamal Crawford. But it's, an, it's a nice fit. LeBron has his guys that he trusts. I think Mo is one of them. I'm surprised he never went to Miami, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think he had offers from San Antonio, Dallas, and New Orleans during this free agency period. But obviously when sort of LeBron came calling, that was that was it. Um Two years with a player option, $4.3 million. How the hell do the Cavs keep affording these people? It's like, there's the rumours they want to trade for Joe Johnson as well, which if they do, they put them hands, I'll put a bet on for them to win the Eastern Conference like right now. I, I'd put a bet on for them anyway, just because of... Well, so I, put, I still think they lack a two, like a two-guard who can bail them out of trouble. Yeah, I'm not a big Shumpet fan, I've got to say. That's. I think Joe Johnson would be like he'd really push them over the edge as well. Then yeah, the two teams he's been linked with, Memphis and Cleveland, they should be like fighting to the death over him because he because <laughs> he'd help them both. Memphis Memphis out. need a scorer that's not called Mark Gasol or Vince Carter. Yeah, <laughs> with his sort of lackluster jump shot he's had the last few years. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's if they somehow get him, I don't. I, their owner must be paying a fortune in luxury tax. They, they, I think I read somewhere that they will be paying a lot, but they still won't be paying as much as the Nets. Oh my god, that is so. You know that's the way the NBA works. I'm afraid if you take on silly contracts, you yeah, yeah, you pay for it. But some of the organisations can afford that. You know the Lakers and stuff have been doing that for years, and it's never really been much of an issue. But they had the success from it, so they can't complain. <laughs> mm. Um. Okay, just before we go, we want to discuss some of the overpaid contracts that have been occurring this summer. I think it is best to start with the uh, most hated man on the Double Clutch podcast, Rajon Rondo, <laughs> um, now of the Sacramento Kings, signed a one-year $10 million deal, um, according to Mark J. Spears of Yahoo Sports. His notable numbers from last season were 8.9 points, 7.9 assists, 5.5 rebounds, and he had a PER of 13.5, which is not good. And yeah, he kind of had to sit out the playoffs because he fell out with Rick Carlisle at Dallas, did not have a good year, was sort of heralded as the the thing that was going to push them over the edge, and it did not happen, did it? No, it didn't, but I'm I'm going to be the first person in the history of this podcast. Don't tell me you like this with George Carl. Uh, I, George Carl aside, because he's clearly got his own problems, 
This is <laughs> this is probably the perfect move for Rondo. But just not just because no one else wanted him, but because <laughs> they're, they're, we, Sacramento is a mess. But if he if he comes out of that playing well, he's going to look really good. And he suits George Carl's system because it's up tempo. He's going to be able to make quick passes to you know cut in big men. If they do trade for someone like Kenneth Farid, he's just going to be lobbing alley oops to him for the whole season. Like he is a bit overpaid, and I don't really know why they've done it. But I think for Rondo, it's a good move. It's the best kind of place for him to be right now. Yeah, I've said on the on previous shows, like I know he got a lot of criticism, and we a bunch of guys have done articles on our site, you know, going on about him. But I don't think that Dallas system was a good fit for him at all. No, like Rick Carlisle doesn't get the best out of any point guard. It doesn't matter who it's been, and they have this habit over in Dallas of re-signing guards that they've you know they got rid of a couple of years ago, and they've gone and done it again this off season. So. I just don't think the system works. But if Rondo is the player that we all know he can be, and we saw sparks of it, like the Dallas game where he went back to Boston, he torched the Celtics. He was hitting threes and, you know, making behind the back passes and all kinds of stuff. And that's the Rondo that we all want to see. And hopefully something like that can appear. And if he's going to get any limelight, you know, he could take it away from sort of Boogie and George Carl and just take over that team and become sort of the star for them and if he do, if that does happen then he's arguably on a cheap contract so yeah I think he needs scorers around him the reason he works in Boston is because he had Alan Pierce and Garnett who are all if you look at their career numbers they all shoot I think they all average around 20 points a game each he'll have guys to pass to exactly that, he's got Cousins he's got Bellinelli who can stretch the floor he's got Rudy Gay who I'm not a big fan of but he can score that's one thing he can do it's a it's a good fit. Dallas wasn't a good fit. You know, they didn't really have a scorer. Like, Monte Ellis is the most streaky player probably in the league. And Chandler Parsons is a bit of a 3 and D guy. Like, Rondo needs people who are going to be, you know, cutting to the basket, um, getting in the post, cutting. They, I think this is a really good fit for him. We will wait and see. I guess the phrase is waiting with bated breath because, you know, We've now got a couple of months of no NBA, which is really annoying me already. <laughs> Especially when I keep seeing what the Jazz are doing in the summer league. Like, I really want to see that team in the regular season now. I'm just getting hyped for the Utah Jazz. Um, so the second player that we've kind of assembled is Iman Shumpert, obviously with the Cavaliers. Four years, 40 million, um, according to Wodge of Yahoo Sports. His notable numbers, eight points uh, per game. 3.6 assists, two, uh, sorry, 2.2 assists, 3.6 rebounds, and a PER of 11.4. He had a weird year, like up and down. He had sparks of, you know, the good defender that is kind of within him, but I don't know. I think this is a lot of money to be paying Iman Shumpert. I've always thought he's been over, you know, he's a good defender, but he's always been a bit of an overrated one, especially when he was in New York and he was under that sort of New York limelight. But he's, he's good, but. If he's a shooting guard that can't score, he should be good at defending. Like he's a good, he's a decent three-point shooter. But I mean, they obviously wanted to keep him. They they obviously think he's important, especially on that second unit. He can cover bench scorers. Um, but yeah, I I think this is, this this is a worse deal than Tristan Thompson. One, I think Thompson offers them a lot more than um than Shumpert does. Yeah, the Thompson one, we'll have to wait and see what happens, but there were reports that that like, hasn't been fully confirmed and stuff, because he's, he's still listed as a free agent on the NBA's website, so 
we'll have to see what happens there. I don't really, I can't see him going anywhere else. The Cavs will just pay him whatever LeBron James tells them to pay him. So <laughs> that's, that's the way it works there. But obviously, Shumpert's had a lot of injury to the last few years. He's missed 65 games over the past three seasons. He tore his ACL in 2012 as well. So he's a guy with an injury history, which I think is a bigger problem as well, because it could quite easily happen again. Um, Omar Ashik of the Pelicans, another guy, five years, 60 million. Uh, again, this is according to Wadge, 9.8 rebounds, 7.3 points, um, and, well, 0.7 blocks. He had above, an above average 15.5 PER. I think the league average is 15. So, you know, he had a good year. I think, I think you have to kind of overpay him just to get that front court back together. Yeah. I mean, he's good at what he does. He's a good, really one of the best rebounders in the league. There's no doubt about that. Um, he's a good post defender as well, but, my issue is offensively, I don't know how him and Davis is going to work because Ashley doesn't have a lot of offense. Let Davis do everything. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I guess so. But, you know, I think Ashley will have to get more involved in the pick and roll. But if any if any coach is going to get the best out of any player on offense is Alvin Gentry. The man, the man has practically invented the modern NBA offense of sort of three and D. Like, it's... Gentry obviously trusts him, so that that's sort of why I'm not not um, negative about this deal because I think Gentry knows what he's doing. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a bunch of odd stats with a sheik. Like he obviously forced his way out of Houston because of the Dwight Howard thing, but he averages twenty two point five points per hundred possessions, and I think his like his block percentage is one of the worst in the league. Like it's as bad as Kevin Love's, and Kevin Love's is really <laughs> bad. So. He's as, as people perceive him as like this big defensive guy, but really he isn't. He is just what you said he is. He's just sort of a rebounder who occasionally scores. <laughs> yeah, that that is what he is, and it, it might suit the Pelicans because the other four guys they've got starting, you know, Drew Holiday, Eric Gordon, Tyreek Evans, and Anthony Davis, they can all score. So maybe he's a good fit. We we'll have to see what Alvin Gentry can do. Hopefully, he can get something out of them. I mean, he came from that. Obviously, won the title with the Warriors this year, so he's probably picked up a few things. But if Anthony Davis is developing the game the way we've seen, according to his vines and YouTubes and Facebook pages and stuff, then the rest of the league needs to freak out because the guy's shooting threes, you know. Yeah, Alvin with his eyes closed. Alvin so. Gentry said that he wants Davis to become stretch four. I mean, that is just that's that's going to be brilliant. <laughs> That's going to leave everyone else wide open as well. So exactly. yeah, maybe we'll see a resurrection of Eric Gordon. This I year. think we'll see a resurrection of Tyreek Evans. I've I've always been a big fan of his, and I think I think the problem another, another Sacramento reject. Yeah, the problem with him is he's he can play three positions, but no one has said this is your position. Like he's been moved between point guard, shooting guard, and small forward. But if Gentry can get the best out of there, also they're a playoff team for me. Yeah, the West is going to be so tight though. There's, I think we'll have to leave our predictions until everything is sort of mm. fully set in and sorted. Um, another one, Damari Carroll obviously moved from the Atlanta Hawks to the Toronto Raptors, announcing that via Twitter. Uh, four years, $60 million. Uh, that's according to Sam Amick of USA Today. Um, his notable numbers from last year, 12.6 points per game, 5.3 rebounds, uh, 1.7 assists and an above average 15.9 PER. So, he had a great year. He had a phenomenal year, sort of the only breakout year he's ever had, really, and he got paid for it. Yeah, I can't believe people are calling this an overpaid contract. He's one of the best three and D guys in the league. Um, he was—he's just what the Raptors wanted. It's, it's what they needed. Their defense last year, especially on the perimeter, was absolutely terrible. Like Lowry and DeRozan can't defend, 
So this he can guard, he can immediately guard the best player on the opposition team, and I think they needed that. It's a really good fit. He improves their team. It means they can now move on Terence Ross and maybe get some more depth at uh, the um, centre position. Uh, he's going to be an instant star, and I think he'll be a fantastic player for them. They've labelled him the junkyard dog. Um, do you think <laughs> Terence Ross has actually got any trade value nowadays? Because he had that 54, was it 54 point game against the Denver Nuggets and everyone was freaking out. And then he obviously did the dunk contest and stuff. And there's been like glimpses of a lot of talent there, but is he going to be worth much if you trade him? He's, I think he needs, he needs a coach who's going to let, give him a bit of freedom on the offensive end. Dwayne Casey doesn't really do that. He's from that sort of Rick Carlisle school of telling the players what to do. Yeah. So I think he definitely needs to move out of Toronto. I don't know if he's got high trade value, but someone will take him. It's not going to be like no one wants him. Like when Josh Smith was at Detroit and Stan Van Gundy famously rang every team and no one wanted him. I think the Lakers should take him yeah. just to see what happens. He'd be a good he'd be good somewhere like or Philly where he could show you could show off his ability and Yeah, he needs to show off. That's it. That is <laughs> Philly would be a nice fit, but I don't know what they have to give up. He needs to swaggy pee the league. You know, <laughs> turn up on a team, start showing off, be stupid, celebrate three pointers that aren't going in, stuff like that. <laughs> Get your name back up and noticed. And the final one, the one that Joe's been waiting to talk about, Joe was like, oh, I've got to talk about this guy, uh, Reggie Jackson, at the Detroit Pistons, five years, 80 million, according to ESPN's Brian Windhorst. Um, his notable numbers from last year, 14.5 points, six assists, 4.2 rebounds, and above average uh, PER of 17.2. He was obviously traded from uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, wanted more of a bigger role. And this gives Detroit an interesting situation now, what with Brandon Jennings on the uh, road to recovery as well. Yeah, but Re- Reggie Jackson, this is this for me isn't overpaid at all. They're paying him that for potential, but he's got the potential. Like his, He is one of the best pick-and-roll point guards in the league. Like Him and Drummond is probably the best pick-and-roll duo in the NBA. Yeah, that's a big hot take, and I'm happy to say that. Like the, their <laughs> offense is essentially going to be Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond running pick and rolls, and then you're going to have people like Erson Ilyasova, Jody Meeks, uh, Colwell Pope, just stretching the floor. That is an offense. Like that is going to be top ten in efficiency and scoring. It's a it's a brilliant move. Stan Van Gundy's really good with point guards. He, he um he nearly made Jermaine Nelson an all star, and he nearly yeah yeah I mean. And he's not done anything since. You know, Keon Dawling, um, Miami when Van Gundy was there, was absolutely brilliant for them. So it's a good fit. You need to play that. He's, he can play with Jennings. He's a better point guard than Jennings, but Jennings can now play shooting guard for them. I just think this is a really good, um, good deal. I think you're right. I think the fact that they are banking on the potential and when he was drafted, when the Thunder got him in the draft, he was a steal, like the, the pick that they got him with. So he was a dunk, he was sort of known as a dunk machine as well coming out of college and he's sort of adapted his game since then. And I think he's learned a lot playing behind Russell Westbrook. Um, he's obviously taken traits from sort of Kevin Durant with the passing and the rebounds and doing, doing all the sort of off the ball stuff as well. But I think Detroit have got themselves a real, winner here he's he's a completely different point guard from um jennings as well jennings has been a guy who has shown flashes of brilliance but has never consistently kept it up whereas reggie jackson when he's had the chance to play has always been there he's hit some big threes during some some of the later games of last season as well for um for detroit after he was traded so yeah i think it's a big one and the way the league's going with everyone running a pick and roll then if you've got this going on 
they're going to be tough to stop. Yeah, I think 90% of their plays are going to start with just a high pick and roll. There's nothing wrong with that. That is, that is high percentage offense. And they're just going to have people spacing the floor. And it, and dr- it's going to work once for Drummond because Drummond's not a very versatile offensive player, but he's just going to have so much space to work with. Like he could be like, I don't want to call him a breakout player, but Drummond could potentially be an all-star this year. I think Drummond is like Monroe. Like they've both always had immense talent. They've just never got it out of them because they've been struggling to play together. And now they're on separate teams. Yeah, we might see the two the two sort of all star caliber players that we expected when they were both drafted. Um, just with regards to like a lot of teams playing the pick and roll now. Um, obviously it's always been a thing in the NBA, but now it's more prevalent than ever. What do you think is going to happen over the next few years? Do you think teams are going to adapt it, or is it going to sort of stay as it is? at the moment and just become this thing that helps stretch the floor and create, you know, the open perimeter shot. I think the game is changed. Like you do get the old coaches like Byron Scott and Flip Saunders who are stuck in the 1980s. who are just like, yeah, three pointers don't win you games, but it is definitely changing. Offenses are getting faster every year. Like for the last five years, the slowest offense in the league has gone up in pace every time. So it's, it's definitely changing. I think pick and roll and three pointers is ju- it's just going to be the way forward soon. I think the mid range shot is dying. There's not many people who can shoot it efficiently anymore. Yeah, it's interesting as I like, looking at like the way my Lakers have been sort of acquiring players the last few days. Obviously, they missed out on the big guys, but they've gone and grabbed guys who just sort of fit that system, and they're going to help D'Angelo Russell, who's obviously the 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 second draft pick that we got. So I think that. He, they're slowly changing their mentality there with regards to the way they're going to try and play basketball. But, you know, it's the Lakers because they could mess it all up next time. Yeah, so we'll have to see what they, happens. They had an offensive uh, genius and you fired him. <laughs> <laughs> That's Dwight Howard's fault. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, I'm just saying. Dan Tony must be like sitting whatever he's doing that's thinking I told you so because he used to people used to laugh at him when he used to say like yeah three pointers are the way forward people yeah, like seven seconds people left. like Phil Jackson were like no they're not you're wrong but <laughs> yeah it's, it's good to see it's more exciting I don't just want to watch you know a big man in the post for 48 minutes I want to watch quick ball movement pick and rolls I guess the league's just developed the way the talent's gone like the draft and the way the college talent is projected nowadays it's just all built around you know, especially the way college is so quick. College basketball is why it puts me off. But the players come out of that, and then they come in the NBA, and they bring all those traits with them. So I just think that's probably the way it's going. I don't. I never watched any college basketball in the seventies and the eighties, but I imagine the games changed a lot since then as well. So I just think both the college league and the professional NBA league obviously change with regards to the time and the physicality of the players. Yeah, it's. It's a good change to see. I think college is a bit fast, but that's the way the NBA is going. All the offenses are getting a lot quicker, and it is. Yeah. It's, but the NBA teams can defend. There's a difference. Yeah, three and D. That's what it is. That is Detroit are going to be. If you want to see a stereotypical modern NBA team next year, watch Detroit. It's just going to be about getting back on defense and then just smacking up thirty to forty three point shots a night. That's what it's going to be soon. You heard it here first, people. Detroit Pistons, 2016 NBA champion. <laughs> um, so if you want to keep in touch with all the content and the blogs and stuff that have been going up recently, uh, the website is, as always, doubleclutchpodcast.co.uk. We've had a makeover, haven't we, Joe? We've had a bit of a fiddle. 
Um, we had a few people saying that the like the blog layout and stuff was a bit difficult to figure out what was going on yeah. with the old site. So we've had a change around. Uh, the video uh, option is on there as well. So on the front page, you get to see whatever sort of our pick of the month or pick of the week or whatever is for the videos. And then you've got all the blogs on the left-hand side and links to Twitter and Facebook and, you know, the Basketball Mega Store and everybody else is on there. So please go and have a have a look at that. We've got a rotor down now, so hopefully there'll be regular content sort of going up every day. That's the aim anyway. If you are interested in writing, as always, please do contact us. Um, the emails and the addresses and stuff are all on the uh, on the website. If you're new to the NBA and you're looking for a team, we've got a guide. Go and have a look at that. Ross put some some you know several hours into that so go and check that out if you are new to the nba and if you are new to our podcast or you you know you just heard us the other day or whatever um please go and give us an itunes review or a stitch review or whatever service it is you listen to us on because they put us up the rankings and they help us out a hell of a lot so so yeah we'll catch you at some point soon guys thank you for listening yeah bye guys goodbye Bros. I'm in love with the Splash Bros. Watch the ball go in the hole.